Breaking the stigma of addiction. This is Zach's life, a story of love, addiction, loss, grief, and recovery. Reflecting on Zachary Horton and others in our community, both, both inside and outside of their addiction. addiction. Hosted by Jim Horton of the Zachary Horton Foundation. Hello, everyone. We're here today with Kathy Cromwell, and uh, I'm, I'm so excited to have, have you here today. So just a, as a way of a quick introduction, um, I met Kathy about a, a year and a half ago, a little over a year and a half ago. After Zach passed, very, very quickly after that, within a, a week or two, uh, Lynn and I reached out to Heinz Hospice. And uh, so here in Fresno, if you're not familiar, not only do they do hospice work, but they also do a lot of grief counseling. And so from our experience in, in being in just all the 12-step programs that we had done and the other groups that we had done, I knew that that was something that was going to speak well if there was some group that I could get involved with. And I didn't know what there was to offer. But mm -hmm. in contacting Heinz, uh, Lynn and I sat down. We met with you. There was a class that we took uh, one time. And then there was a grief class that came up later. Mm -hmm. And so... Anyway, uh, I, it's it's so it's so good to have have you here today, and uh, so this is just kind of like an extra uh, counseling session for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really good to be here, Jim, and I love being in Zachary's space too. Yeah, it's really special. Yeah, K Kathy's talking about when in uh, all, all of the podcasts are done from the the new studio and now which is in Zach's bedroom. So yeah, his same paint on the walls, same pictures on the walls and, and some of his trinkets sitting around. So yeah, it's a constant, uh, yeah, a, a, a constant, uh, aura and spirit certainly mm -hmm. that, yeah. that he brings. So, uh, Kathy, why don't, why don't you start on and just tell us, tell us kind of what you do, maybe how you got into it and the mm -hmm. different things that, that you do. I know a little bit about you, but you know, mm -hmm. people listening may not. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. I guess, you know, when I think back on where it began, I was about 19 years old an accounting major at Fresno city college, because that's the major my grandfather thought would be best for me to make sure I had a pension and could take care of myself. And I took an elective at that time. It was in the psychology department and it was death and dying. And I still remember that was my favorite course. Shortly after that, my dad became a hospice patient. And I didn't know anything about hospice, but my brother and I cared for our dad through the end of his life as he was on hospice care. And that kind of started the journey for me and then went, uh, changed my major to social work and began working in hospice care and end of life and in grief and loss. And so it's really been my, been my passion. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. I, I just, uh, I, I, well, I find it, it's, it's, it's interesting that so many of the people that I know, you know, that I went to college with, very few of them are employed in the, in the field of work that they first began to study in. Right. So, mm -hmm. I mean, so that, that part, that part has come but, but that was quite a, I mean, quite a transition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so uh, talk a little bit about, tell us what, about all the different avenues at Heinz Hospice, what, what they, what they have to offer and, and, and what they do sure. and where you fit into that role. Yeah. So I've actually been at Heinz for 20 years now. I did an internship there when I was in graduate school for a year that started that journey. 
And what I've loved about working for Heinz and, and, and the, I was able to work with Nancy for a number of years. So, wow, what a great teacher she is. And just serving our community and gr- the grief in our community. Hmm. And we'll talk, I know, more about that. But there's so many layers of grief and so many things we grieve in life. Yet grieving can be such a lonely place. And so Heinz Hospice has a number of services available to those grieving through our Center for Grief and Healing. And as you mentioned, not just for our hospice patients, families, but to our community and and with specialty programs related to our Angel Babies program, and that's for parents who experience the loss of their baby in pregnancy or infancy. We have our Survivors of Suicide Loss program that supports those who have experienced the death of their loved one to suicide. And then a lot of community support. We work with a lot of parents, as you mentioned, and really just coming alongside and and having that safe space where people can come and feel that sense of support and community and then work, you know, work with what's coming up for them and their grief. Sometimes there's trauma that we need to work through and just really helping people process it on on their pace and, and what's coming up for them. So, so Kathy, the, the group that I was in was for, uh, families who had lost a child. Mm -hmm. Um, is that the only group that you, that you work with? Is that your specialty? That's been the group I've been doing probably for the past six or seven years. I also am currently doing a group for, um, those who have experienced the loss of their loved one to suicide. And that would be a variety of relationships, but all the same, you know, the, their loved one died the same way. At Heinz, though, we have a number of groups. As you mentioned, the loss of child, we have a group for the angel babies and the suicide loss. And then we also have a group for loss of partner spouse, loss of parent and sibling, our children's grief support group, and a teen group. So we have a number of grief support opportunities available. And, and, and what kind of, what are the crossovers that you see? What are the similarities in, in, mm-hmm. in, in those groups of, of someone who loses a child to suicide or, or one who, uh, who loses a, a spouse some, or the angel babies, you know, what are the similarities and then what are the differences? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I was thinking, I've done I've done all of the groups, um, and there are unique experiences, and that's why we structure the groups the way that we do, right? Because we know, for instance, you know, I'll talk about a parent's grief. There's certainly unique aspects. I think, yeah, we can say there's things about group. I'm sorry about grief that are universal experiences around loss and feelings, some similarities. But we also know for a parent who is grieving the loss of their child that, well, one, it's just completely out of the natural order. We don't imagine as a parent that we are going to die before our child. And I also think for parents and I I know you know this too, Jim, you know, just the loss of the dreams. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that, um, uh, I, th- I think for, 
for myself, I think that was that was a huge loss. It was, it was just thinking about, uh, you know, all, all of the dreams that we had for grandchildren and, yes. and, and watching his, you know, watching Zach's success as he got older, we're all, we're all taken away. Mm-hmm. So, so that, and that's a loss. That's a loss, uh, frankly, uh, Kathy, that I have to relive every time that uh, there's a graduation season and every commercial that's on yes. is about graduation. And oh my God, it's now it's back to school time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Zach would have been going to college, right? Mm-hmm. And so I got to relive all that. So, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. so those are, and, and, and I know that as, and we talked about this a little earlier today, is that, you know, Zach was 19 and he was, you know, just out of high school. And so in my mind, that's where he is and that's where he'll be the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always, you know, I think about when I'm driving to work, when it's like the first day of school and, you know, I drive by a couple of schools and you see parents taking their children in and you see parents dropping their children off. I pass a high school or, and I always just really hold in my heart the parents who aren't doing that because they have lost their child and thinking about them and knowing the pain in that day it's the start of the year and it's the graduation time as well and and I have to say in doing this work because when I first began doing this work we didn't have social media and so I think that really kind of magnifies it um, for people too so I often talk to grievers about that like what you know what do you need to do around that because it's very painful to visually see what you are yearning for so deeply or what you're grieving. Oh, and, and, and to that point, um, many of our friends are, are parents of children that had grown up with Zach Mm -hmm. and, uh, having to watch their Facebook feeds. Yeah, it's it's just uh, it's a it's it's a it's a challenge for sure. Uh, I know early on, and well, and not even early on. There's sometimes I have to because uh, you know we live right down the street from Clovis North, and so it's not so bad in the summertime when there was no traffic. Or last year during COVID, was was fortunate when the schools were closed down because there was no no one there. Um, now that there's some cars starting to come back, I will have to, and then that's my that's my favorite route to get, you know, where, you know, anytime I'm going into the Clovis area, I just have to, I will have to abandon Mm -hmm. that route. Mm -hmm. Because of the feelings that, Oh yeah. 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 Just, just the, uh, just the memories. Mm -hmm. And and we were talking about this earlier. Also the, uh, at the, at the loss of a child, uh, any time that there's a vacant space in my day, there's a memory of Zach that's going to pop into it. Yeah. So as long as I'm staying active, if I'm working out, if I'm you know doing uh, you know some chore around around the house, you know I, I love to golf or play pickleball or you know in my martial arts practice or when I'm skiing. So that's why I stay very very active mm-hmm. when I'm doing any of those activities. Mm-hmm. 
you know, there's, there's no, there's no time to think about that. Uh, even I find myself in the car and I'm playing a book on tape now all the time because I want some other outside uh, input, mm-hmm. you know, coming in. Because as soon as my mind is blank, as soon as I'm not mm-hmm. thinking about anything, I'm going to think about, I'm going to think about Zach. And that's not that that's a, such mm-hmm. a bad thing, but it's just that during this last year and a half, it's been a bad thing. Right. You know, it's just right. been so overwhelming. Right. You yeah. know? That really has been for a lot of grievers you know, the downtime and and not having the distractions. Because like you say, Jim, there's a time where you, you know, you, you need that we can't grieve intensely 24 seven, you know, just the pain that comes with that. So there are times where we, we compartmentalize it or we focus on distract ourselves and that's okay. And then there's times I know that you, you lean in, you let that space be and you feel it. And you lean into it. And so when we even structure those times, of course, we can't always structure because we know grief comes right, right. Um, at unexpected times. But I think when, you know, there's a time, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's grief support group or maybe it's carving out some time to just allow the space for the feelings to occur. But that can feel really scary to people. I had someone call me pretty early on in the pandemic for grief support. And she said, you know, I think that I, people are telling me that I need to get some grief support, but my child died three years ago. And so I don't really know if that's my problem right now. And so we, we just started to talk about it. And I asked her, you know, what, what that has, what this three years has been like. And she said, you know, to be honest, I kept myself so busy and she shared all of the things she's been doing, but what, I, what she, she didn't share that there was any time that she was carving out to let herself feel. And that wasn't, you know, that was just, I always tell people they'll, they'll, you know, well, people can be so critical and kind of pretty judgmental about grief, I think, and others grief journey, you know, and I say, you know, we just, we we start on this journey and we're exploring and there's other competing stressors and priorities and it just, it, it takes its own form. So maybe for her at this point, she was able to reach out and get the support. But what also she said was happening is she had to slow down. And so these feelings were coming in that she just hadn't been able to really go to yet. Yeah. Well, I know one of the challenges that, that I've had that we've talked often about in the last year and a half is just being feeling completely out of control with my grief because and and I think that's why I've I've sought to find things to get busy because when I'm not I mean it was just just overwhelming yeah. and, I, and I've been real open uh, you yeah. know about about uh, I, I, I after three or four months I started on an antidepressant which was very very helpful mm-hmm. in just getting some control mm-hmm. over you know, over the, just the daily outbursts of emotions that I couldn't mm-hmm. control at all. Uh, a couple months ago, I, I, I stopped that process. And, and, and so it's been interesting, you know, now that uh, it's, it's not like it was, it's not as bad as it was, you know, in those first three or four months. But I certainly, I certainly feel that there, there are days when I'm when when I, I still feel more out of control mm-hmm. with my grief, you know, than I had the last few months, and so, uh, you know, I'd I'd like to think, uh, 
I'd like to think that there's going to come a time when, when it won't be like that. Yeah. Uh, but, but living in this space now, it certainly doesn't seem Like that'll ever happen. Yeah. 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 Because that's that's your reality right now, you know, and experiencing that and the acuity of course is so intense and that journey and and I think it's you know, it's hard. People will say, Gosh, where am I? I don't I don't even I'm such a different person right now and and we yearn for for that, you know, yeah. prior to and I think, you know, again, it's it's such a journey of processing through and all the firsts and then the seconds. And like you said, again, the uniqueness with loss of a child around those lost dreams. And another thing that I think really happens too is, so initially the pain is, is so intense and strong. There is that, some of that period of kind of shock and numbness that go in and out of it, but it's so intense and strong. And then down the road on that journey, there's days like you mentioned, Jim, that you go, wow, I feel a little bit lighter today. I'm seeing a glimpse of myself. I'm, you know, I see some healing. And then as grief does, it, you know, it comes back around and there's an intense day. And I'll often describe it that sometimes that intense day feels more intense even than the initial grief because you had that period of reprieve. Does that make sense? And, yeah, and you feel sure. hope in that. And we say, okay, I, I feel like healing can occur. And, and we know that it does yet when we're in the end, that in those intense emotions, it's just, it's hard right. to see that. Kathy, just yesterday I was, I was telling a friend how the, f- the first, you know, we're, we're a year and a half into it now, a little a year and eight months. I would say the first year and three months, I never even, and I know I, I, I mentioned this and I'm sure in our groups, mm-hmm. uh, I, I never expected to ever feel mm-hmm. any happiness. Yeah. There was, there was, uh, there was nothing I could do that. I, I mean, there were, t- I mean, I wasn't like in constant pain or in constant torment, but no matter what happened, you know, it doesn't mean that I couldn't laugh. Like if, you know, if there was a joke and it was kind of funny, but, Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was brief and it was done. Uh, and there was certainly no joy. There was, I mean, the, the mm-hmm. thought of, of, of experiencing, you know, real joy again was not even in the question. And I'd say the last couple months, you know, I feel like I moved into a place where uh, I, I see that it's possible. Mm-hmm. I'm still not experiencing it yet, but right. I see that it's possible. There's right. some activities that I look forward to doing. Now I'm not willing to say that they're bringing me great joy or happiness, but mm-hmm. but I'm looking forward to them, and that's mm-hmm. a change from just wanting to, you know, sit, sit in the room all day, mm-hmm. right? You know, so mm-hmm. I mean, so again, that does bring some hope, and I think for people out there that that may be struggling with uh, in in grief, and maybe they don't, you know, they they've never talked to anyone, or they haven't done, it, and they wonder why they continue. I can see that that's you know, it, it, it may never, it may never end. And so the best thing we have and the best thing I was telling you, the best thing that happened for me was in our first group, there were, uh, I think we had four or five consistent families that, that were, that were in our group. 
and uh, one of them, we had very similar stories. So we had both lost our sons uh, in, you know, to addiction and meeting that family and, and being able to, to, to reach out to them and to talk and to have someone that I knew was Mm -hmm. like I was, Mm -hmm. who had experienced Mm -hmm. the same things that I had experienced. And, and uh, that, that was a great, a great, great relationship for us. And I think that's the, that's the, the benefit of, of finding a group of Mm -hmm. finding, you know, that help, if you will, Mm -hmm. to, to do this on your own. I I can't even imagine what that would be, Mm -hmm. uh, what that would be like. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, and something else I'd I'd like for you to to touch on a little bit is that, because I also noticed in our group, there was some group that, that lost, there's some people that lost family members to disease. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't feel like their pain was any different mm, no, no. than my pain. No, no. Uh, and I think oftentimes I think those of us who, who, who uh, lose someone to addiction or to a, uh, to something that's still not accepted by society as, as uh that it could happen to anybody, mm-hmm. right? It's still kind of our fault. And so, so we even take that on ourselves that, well, maybe, you know, for yeah. somebody else, it's, it's going to be so different, but I didn't see, mm-hmm. I didn't see a lot. I, mm-hmm. I don't know that if, if, if we had taken out the words or the causes and we were just talking about what we were experiencing, what we were feeling, the trauma that we were going through, that you wouldn't know. Yeah. And you wouldn't know if it was if it was a, a, a someone that was forty years that had passed, or like my son that was nineteen, or someone that was a baby. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't know. Right, right. The, the way, or at least that's how it, that was my perception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. You know, on the the first night of group, I I talk about you know you all come together with different experiences and and different ways that your child died yet you come together as parents and there's like you said there's just that those universal experience in and grief as parents and because even if it is you know there's a lot of similarities there's still there's the differences too yet there's the the feelings that are unique and universal with parents. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And I, and, you know, we talk about in group, we talk about all kinds of things, um, and related to grief and, and we, we do talk about, you know, sometimes we go to the topic and, and sharing around the death event or things leading up to the death. But, you know, the other thing that we talk about is, are the children, you know, as everyone's child, whether they're 40 or six and, you know, the, the beauty of who they were. And I, that's one of the things I love about group as well. And I think I've shared this with you, but I feel like, you know, it's, it's such an honor just to be able to be present and also to bear witness to such love stories. Yeah. Because every parent in there has such deep love for their child and and so and it's it's wonderful to see the parents join together and get to know each other's children 
through this sharing and to feel this common space. I mean, we've touched on a few, a few things related to grief. And, you know, there's just so many layers that we process on that journey. Whether it's, you know, reflecting on the relationship and sometimes things that were resolved and sometimes things that weren't. And, you know, many times grievers will really focus on things that they wish they would have done and said differently. Mm. And, And, you know, I I do think it's important to have a space to process that. It can be uncomfortable. If you process that with a loved one, they'll kind of shut you down pretty quick. And no, 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 you did, you know, you were, you did a great job. And so I do think processing it is important. And then also, you know, when I'm bearing witness to that, really exploring it and allowing them to share and look at, at different things around that, that they're that maybe they're wishing would have done, they would have done differently. And that, right. That's just life. And that's every relationship. And there's, there's aspects of all of our relationships in well, life. And, and Kathy, I can tell you in the, in the first year, that was probably 80%, 90% of every day. Mm-hmm. Every thought I had was about what I could have done. Yeah. And I began to see that later as kind of the denial that I was still in about, mm-hmm. about Zach's passing was that mm-hmm. somehow if I could, figure out in my mind if I had just done something different then it would have turned out different even though there's no way it could turn out different still I was stuck right. in that space and mm-hmm. fortunately I've, I've, I've moved a little bit beyond that but I still have I still have those thoughts every they just don't consume 80 percent of all day right which is really normal I think it's you know that 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 the death has occurred you know I mean it just it rocks us to the core and, and we try to figure out how could that have not happened? And I always say, you know, again, that's about love too, you know, loving, loving Zach so much and, and just figuring out, gosh, how could this have been different? How could this have been different? But one of the things I encourage in that as well is to take time to reflect on the things that you did that you're so glad you did the things that you said, the moments you had, because we forget about those. We just kind of focus. Right. right? And, and so I just invite people, you know, who might be listening and thinking about that to also hold a space in your heart for that and, and be able to um, access some of those things I think is really important. Yeah. And, and, uh, Kathy, what else would you would you say to? Uh, and I know this is a topic that comes up a, a lot for, for for someone who knows someone who's who's mm-hmm. lost. Um, yeah. So someone is grieving, and they just they don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to reach out. What? Mm-hmm. How, how do you how do you deal with that? even when you're dealing with people, because you talk to people every week. But right. what, what kind of suggestions would you have? Right, for? right. Well, first, as you were sharing that, one thing I wanted to touch on, if, if so, you know, someone who might be listening and grieving, or I would say what is vital is self-compassion. Mm. Right? So compassion, alleviating suffering, self-compassion for yourself as the griever. And just honoring 
your needs and nurturing your heart and reaching out for support and, and those things. And so when it, when I would share with someone else, you know, how can you support this person you love that is grieving or, or your neighbor, or your coworker, you know, one of the things that I often share is be the five to nine month person. So what I mean by that is initially when a death occurs, there's often a, an outpouring of support and people are more attentive and checking in and sending cards and, and things. And then life goes back to normal for everyone else. And that griever, one thing that has happened in that time, the grief can feel more intense because the reality might feel stronger at, may feel stronger at that time. Right. And the support system has diminished significantly. And so to remember that person, whether it's sending them a text or putting significant dates, just jotting them on your calendar and shooting them a text or checking in. And you said something when you came to my class at Fresno state that I thought was so great, Jim, that you told the students, you know, people will say, well, what do you need? You know, call me if you need anything. What do you need? And you said, I'm paraphrasing, so I don't remember exactly how you said it, but basically you said, I, I was the griever. Like, I, I don't know. So, but the people that just showed up with a Starbucks, with the, you know, yeah. I'm going to be going here. Do you want to, you know, and I, I took away from that too. That was, and the students were so impacted. I know if you remember their reflections on, on the time that you yeah. came. So I think just really creating a space, don't judge people's grief and, oh, well, they, you know, they, they carry around that memento, that object. Well, that's, that's, that's not healthy. Or they go to support group and stir it up and that's not healthy. And, you know, whatever that is, um, sometimes that judgment comes from just a fear of emotions. And I think the other thing that's unique about a parent's grief is that it represents many people's worst nightmare. And so they kind of keep it at bay right? sure, and, sure. and don't connect in because it's like they don't want to feel anything uh, right. close to that, which can leave parents isolated. Right. And I, I've had to think because th- there's a lot of people that I, I always had thought of as being really close friends. Mm-hmm. And since sex passed, haven't heard hardly a word yeah. from them. And And I have to realize that it's not because they don't, Mm-hmm. care about me anymore mm-hmm. it's it's just that they don't know they don't know what to do right mm-hmm. and so v- for me i would i would tell my friends i would say you know i just i just want to hear from you again right right and so and I, so if, there, if if you have a friend that has lost someone they w- they want to hear from you and and in my case i don't mind talking about zach now mm-hmm. If I'm having a rough day, you know, it may come with some emotions that you're going to have to deal with, but mm-hmm. there's never a time that anyone can bring up a story uh, about Zach that I don't want to hear it. Right, right, right. Yeah, there's such a preciousness in that. And, yeah. And I think so, so many people think, gosh, I need to have that, I need to say just the right thing. I need to help them feel better. And it's like, well, no, those, those things typically aren't helpful. So, but what, you know, a platitude or something like that, but what is helpful is just like you said, the presence, just, being just, there. just yeah. be there. That's, yeah. you know, and, and that's what people remember is how it, how you made them, you know, how it felt when they were with you, yeah. the support, that comfort, just, yeah. 
you might just sit with them while they cry and that's okay. You don't need to say anything. Because think about, you know, in, in your life, go, you know, going through a different situation, you know, what and um, what you needed, maybe, a, you know, another loss in life or something you were struggling with. Did you really want someone to just come in and tell you how you should do it and feel and what you need to do, right? No, yeah, we just want no. someone to, to be present. Right. And to, you know, um, Brene Brown in a video she has, and she talks about, you know, if someone shares something with you, you know, it might be something really intense and just, you know, responding with, wow, I don't even know what to say right now, but just thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. And I'm just going to be in this space with you. Well, and that's tough. We're so, un- so often we're uncomfortable with, with silence. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. we have to feel, mm-hmm. we have to feel that we have to fix it. We have to control the situation. We got things to do, places to go, people to see, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, that's the way we run our lives. And so then when that silence really could speak so much more than any words, you know, we're at a loss. And, and I'm talking, I mean, I, I, I mean, that's me, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm talking with people. I mean, I, I certainly have a different perspective now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to think that I'm continually learning and, you know, and, 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 and growing, you know, through this process, but, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Kathy, I, I just can't, I can't thank you enough for the work that you've, uh, well, the work you do, but I mean, really what you've meant, you know, to me and Len, mm-hmm. uh, uh, f- for sure. And, uh, how you've helped our process, uh, anyone, uh, that's listening to this. If, if you, if you know of someone or, or you experience uh, a deep loss, I really want to encourage you to reach out to, uh, to, to Heinz hospice. And, and you can remember Kathy's name, or you can always get in touch with me and, and we'll be sure to uh, forward that information uh, to you. I, I would imagine that we have a link on our website um, at the Zachary Hortonfoundation.org. I believe we have a link on the website to Heinz Hospice as well. Great. So, and, and if not, we'll make sure that we, we get that added because it's such an important part of the re, of the recovery process. Uh, and, and not just if, if there's been a, a death due to addiction, but, but really a, a death or a loss of, of, of any kind. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, Kathy, you bring such a, a special, love and care and concern. And I didn't know all your backstory about how you got started, but, mm-hmm. but wow, to, to, to live in that and to stay in that for this long is, mm-hmm. is truly amazing. Yes. And, uh, I, I thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much for, uh, for coming today and, and, uh, and, and sharing with us. And maybe, uh, maybe we can have you back sometime again. We'll, and we'll dive in a little deeper into some more topics. That'd be great. Thank you. It's great to be here and an honor to support you on your journey. Thank you, Kathy. Tell someone that you love them today. This has been an episode of Zach's Life. Thank you so much for listening. For more info on our foundation and for addiction resources, visit ZacharyHortonFoundation.org or check us out on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a story to tell and want to be a guest on our podcast, email me directly at jim at ZacharyHortonFoundation.org.